thing that I wanted to say during this series um, is, you know, it's a series leading up to Easter about Jesus. So not much very original about that. Um, but what I'm hoping for is maybe we can take some time and pull the dirt and mud of 2,000 years of history and see Jesus in a fresh and a new light. Um, whether you're a committed Christian, um, what, maybe you are a doubter about the whole thing, um, maybe you're an absolute skeptic, I think every person in each one of those categories would benefit greatly if we took uh, the time to unearth, to go back and to study who was Jesus really because he may have something to offer you in your life today. Think about this. One of the things Jesus said was, in this world, you will have trouble. Can anybody identify? Anybody with a black Cadillac can identify with that? If you're driving a Cadillac, you can't have that much trouble anyway. Just kidding. Just just kidding. Um, It's part of it. It's part of being human. It's part of being here. If you're going to live in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have challenges. And he said, but take heart, I have overcome. So the idea is you're not going to get away from it. But you can overcome it. You can get through it. And we don't do ourselves any favors by telling people, um, you know, you're not going to experience hardship. Just follow me. There's three easy tricks to never having difficulty in life because that's not going to work. In Jesus' day, in fact, real close to the time Jesus was born, um, there was a massive crucifixion by a Roman general named Varus, very close, to, very close to where Jesus grew up in Nazareth. They crucified 2,000 people and lined them along the road. This was the environment that Jesus grew up in. So think of, think of Sephoris was a city that was about four miles from Nazareth. So think of something four miles from your home. I think I've been told for people that run around Wald Lake just over here, it's around five miles, just under five miles. So it's a very close distance. And this was the shadow that Jesus grew up in in a culture where if you bucked the system, this is how you would be, hand, this is how you would be treated. In fact, one historian, the historian Josephus wrote this, he felt compelled because he was trying to help the, the Jewish people in that day and the Romans to kind of get along. And this is what he said. He felt it was important to tell the Jewish people there, he was Jewish himself, who had kind of um, changed sides later because he was captured. Anyway, it's a long story. But how lenient... General Varus had been in only crucifying 2,000 people. So it's nothing new to see the trouble that we're dealing with in our world. This is not a new idea. 
Jesus lived in a time of incredible trouble. And because there were problems in the world, people had to find, well, how do we respond? How do we deal with this? What should our response be? And there were all kinds of responses. And so this is just for three minutes of background to the New Testament, background to the story of Jesus. So you got to learn for just a minute. All right, then I'll, I'll, I'll throw a zinger in there for you. Who wants to learn for a minute? So you read about all these people. You read about Pharisees. Who's ever read about Pharisees? You read about Sadducees, Sanhedrin, um, Zealots. They were all, and what they were, there were all these, we'll call them movements. Um, some of them were official and they were organized. Some were unofficial and unorganized. But you read about all, and they were different ways that they were going to respond to the trouble as I've said during this series, I mean, it's easier with what's happening in our world to just at least imagine if, if Russia and Putin win in Ukraine and put an army in, in place and start making people pay taxes on the land that they used to own but now is owned by somebody else. Can you imagine the bitter? If, what if it happened to you? You worked your whole life. You finally got your piece of land paid off. Somebody came in because their gun was bigger than your gun, and now they own your house, and they're making you pay rent to them on your house. This was the culture, and everybody had angst about it, but the question was how to fix it. And so people had different ideas. And there was the zealot movement, and they were, their idea was, man, just, you know, get a dagger, stick it in your cloak, and when you're in the marketplace, if you see a soldier, you stab him in the back, you disappear in the crowd, screw them. That was one movement. There was the Pharisees movement who believed that the Romans were here because God had judged them. And they weren't keeping the law good enough. They weren't doing their religion well enough. I'm kind of roughly paraphrasing here. But this is the idea. And the Pharisees felt like that they had to kind of get pure again. And then God would throw these guys off of them. And so along comes Jesus. Yeshua. From the humble place of Nazareth. Where it's even said, Nazareth, could anything good come out of Nazareth? John chapter 1. An unlikely hero. And he offers something different. In Luke chapter 13, I think it's verse 3. Ooh, it was one of the first verses I ever memorized because I was told to memorize it when I first got to church. And it says this, unless you repent you will all likewise perish. And I was taught that verse to mean, Chris, you're such a sinner that if you don't, God's going to throw you in hell. That's what I was taught. And so I had to memorize that verse, and it probably kept me on the straight and narrow for at least a couple months. <laughs> but I had no context for it. And the context was Jesus was saying this, and Jesus was saying this to these people with all of these movements. Unless you, we learned about repentance a few weeks ago. Go watch it. I don't have time. Uh, I don't have time. Uh, but it means to turn around. Unless you change course, man, this is going nowhere. He was warning them about what was going to happen in their own day and in their own time. And it did happen. 
Because in 70 AD, the Romans had enough, and they said, that's enough, and they came in and they wiped out everything in Jerusalem. It was a complete massacre. Jesus said, unless you change course, this is not going to end well. But he wasn't just a person about his words. He was a person who put himself there. He didn't hide behind his words, but he enacted them. And what we find in the life of Jesus is something that's so heroic. I ended the last message somewhere around this point. Um, I'm going to have to do a class on this because I'm screwing the whole thing. I, mean, I got like pages of notes. I'll never get to them. But here's the thing. Here, look, uh, I ended somewhere last week trying to get you to think about this. I think the way Jesus is portrayed, not officially talked about, because officially in the churches, Jesus is fully God and fully human, officially. But unofficially, and that's what you need to think about. Unofficially, in other words, the way I think the net takeaway for the average, I was going to say pew-sitting, green-chair-sitting Christ follower is that he's God. And the net takeaway of that is it's very hard for you to actually, first of all, see the heroism in what he did. Fully and completely human. 100% human. And second of all, to ever model your life because you just do the easy dismiss. Well, he was God. You know, he just turned on the God juice whenever it got tough. Who would like some God juice when it got tough? Just like, well, it's just, you know, traffic is ridiculous. Jim Carrey? Anybody? No. You see that movie? Hi-ho? No, never mind. Uh, you, you would only begin... You would only begin if you, if, you could see, if you embrace Jesus in his full humanity. And so what I'm going to do today is tell you a little bit of the story that will help you see the humanity of Jesus in his story. It comes after the story of Lazarus, and it's in... John chapter 11, and let me just read you a couple of verses. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, they put their faith in him. This was happening all the time. The, the people following Jesus, the crowd was getting bigger and bigger, and people were, were buying into him and buying into his message. I just have to say this. This... The, there really was a Jesus of Nazareth, and people really did follow him. And, and it caused a real problem for people who had positions of political power. They, they didn't know what to do with him. And so it says, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. People in power afraid of losing their power. Then the chief priests... And the Pharisees called the meeting of the Sanhedrin. So what happened is the Romans were in power, but what they did is they put a few puppets in place. And they said the chief priests, because all the Jewish people respected their, their, their priests, the chief priests can kind of rule 
and they will report to the Roman authorities. And the idea was, you know, you guys keep it, keep it calm. All Rome wanted was calm, right? In other words, can I just go for the modern metaphor? Like, if Putin takes over, what does he want? He wants everyone to just go back to work and pay taxes. They just want calm. That's what they want. We took over your land. We just want everyone to just pay taxes and go to work. And, and the high priests, this is, this is why Jesus, is, he, we already talked about how he confronted Rome. He confronted Rome, but he's going to confront now his own people. He's going to create the perfect storm for himself. The high priests, what they did is they just stayed cozy with the Romans. The Romans actually would appoint them. That wasn't supposed to be the way it did by their Jewish faith, but they have a meeting. What are we going to do about Jesus? John chapter 11. What are we accomplishing this man's doing all of these things, these miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then, look at, then the Romans will take away our place and our nation. What are they worried about? My place. I got, I'm going to lose my... They're worried about this growing following that Jesus has. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. And he says, don't you realize it's better for you that one man die than for the whole nation to perish? What's he saying? If we take him out, we're not going to have so much trouble. We've been able to manage this thing. Now, From that day on, they plotted to take his life. The Sanhedrin, that was an official ruling council, 71 members. Their word was law in, in um, Judea, in the Jewish nation at that time. And so they, it was an official decree. Jesus was now officially a wanted man. And you will read in other parts, if we get to it, where they go, and the Pharisees now, they go and tell people, if you see him, you need to report to us. If you see something, report to us. He's a wanted man. Now, I don't know what that meant. I don't know in that day if that meant if you see him and you don't report him, there's going to be some consequences for you. I don't know if you see him and report him, there's going to be a reward for you. But Jesus is officially a wanted man. And what Jesus does from that time, it says, he's... Jesus no longer moved around publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a, a village near the desert. Just by the way, this activity started early on in John chapter 7, where he is, is, he's, gathering, he's, he's gathering steam for his movement, and they, they band together and say, this isn't good. And Jesus had to start moving around covertly, stealthily, I don't know if you picked this up reading the Gospels, but from this point on, Jesus wouldn't go places publicly. In fact, the disciples one time said to him, hey, let's go to the feast in Jerusalem. And he's like, uh, not now, John chapter 7. Why don't you guys go? Why? He's a wanted man. He said, well, I know, but he dies. and all. Yeah, but, but he's, he's doing something. He said, this is not my time. 
That was an important thing for him. This isn't my time. Anybody ever see, did anybody see Selma? Huh? Dr. King, he, he leads this march over the bridge, and he wanted to stage something. He wanted people to see this. It wasn't just like, oh, we'll just go and get, get you know. No, no, no. I want, I want the cameras there. I want the media there. I want everyone to see this. You need to watch that movie. And then you need to read Jesus again. He's like, no, it's not my time. For you, any time is right. And then later on in John 7, it says, he went secretly. Like if he went with the whole disciples and the whole crew, it would have been. Doesn't this give new meaning when you read the story of Judas betraying Jesus? Why? Jesus was hiding out. He was laying low. They needed someone. They needed someone who was on his inner circle that could tell them when he was what? Alone. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. We're going to celebrate Palm. Think about Palm Sunday. What was Jesus doing? Palm Sunday. He had been hiding and hiding and hiding, and all of a sudden he just goes, boom. Now, you can interpret it how you want. This is the Chris Kramer interpretation. Come and get me, boys. Hmm? He was hiding, but then when he came, the whole town, they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch him on Palm Sunday. They wouldn't come near him. They were scared. The only thing, they, they're not scared because they, they're, they're not that violent or not that brutal or not that ridiculous. Scared because they didn't want to riot. So what they, they, they let Jesus have his day, and they wait, and they, and they get Judas. They say, we got, we got to get him when he's alone, when it's at night, when everyone's sleeping. And, of course, you know how the story progresses. Jesus played a cat and mouse with these guys right up to the very end. Until he knew it was, as he said, his time. My hour, he said, has come. It's time. Man, that would make a good movie. It's time. It's time. And what Jesus did from that point on, as he gives his life, as he gives his life, what is so contrary to the way everyone else was doing in their movement was some people were, they had their movement, but it was so that they could have their own sense of power. Some people had their own movement so just so they could deal with their own anger. And certainly anger is a part of it. But what Jesus did was the ultimate heroic act. He gave his life. And that act changed human history. Today's 2022. 2,000 years since what? That life, that death, that act. Humanity hinges on that heroic act. Why? Because the innocent suffered and everybody saw it and it silenced the cosmos. Darkness fell over the land. Everybody knew this was a game changer. That there was a new way 
to live your life. And what Jesus said over and over to his followers was, you too must pick up your cross and follow me. You must pick up your cross. What does that mean? I think what it means is you and I are called to the same heroism. It might not be on the same scale. I get that. But every single day, you and I are called to live our life either for ourselves or for our anger or for our, or what? For the larger thing. Do you know this? Every one of us, I love the, I love the picture of carrying a cross because every one of us needs something to carry. You do. I just wish life was easier. Not really. I mean, you will for a minute. And let's say you got easy street. Let's say you live on easy street. I mean, your streets are paved with gold right here in Novi. And your car always starts and, and there's never traffic for you. And your food's always ready and no one ever talks bad to you. You would turn into mush your life would have zero meaning, zero purpose. You say, I'd like to try it for like a week. <laughs> That's called vacation. <laughs> Especially if you have a lot of money. It's called vacation, right? It's just everything arrives, it lands there. And nothing wrong with that. But you, you can't live there. You, can't, you literally can't even survive there. You say, I think I could survive there. You can't. You were meant for metal. You were meant for the testing. You were built for the cross-carrying. That's what you were built for. That's what gives meaning to your life today. And so what Jesus did in this kind of, kind of this perfect storm of his place in history and all of humanity was he showed us the way to live our life. He was brave. We have to be brave sometimes. A hero is really defined by a few things. First of all, their bravery. Again, not by the size of their impact, by their bravery. And by their selflessness. They aren't brave for themselves. They're brave for others. Now think about this. Um, You instinctively, instinctively, will be brave, just think, for certain things that you love. Maybe, let's say you've had a child. Did a certain amount of bravery just pop into your soul the minute that, I mean, you would do things that you normally, there's no way you would do? Of course. Without even thinking. There are certain things that draw the best out of you, the very best, and it's inside of you. So when Jesus lived and, and, and died, one of the things that he taught his disciples, he said, greater things than these will you do. What does that mean? That means this wasn't a movement that was supposed to just be about Jesus. It was something that we were supposed to model and take the way that he lived his life and carry it forward in our day. Today, Could we use some people with the bravery 
and selflessness of Jesus? Yeah. One of the things that Jesus did in fighting his own people, he, he, he criticized and he fought his own, was he would talk about their own place. You know, um, everybody has things that are like sacred to them, like symbols or whatever. Does, does, is there anything sacred, like, like at grandma's house, like there's certain things you don't touch, like don't touch the, 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 the you know, my, my grandma used to have like fake grapes on the dining room table. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, you, you have a grandma too? Put these over here. And like, there were always certain things that always went right back to the same. So before dinner, you always pick those up and you set them over here, a little shrine, and you, you know, arrange things and you put them back. So certain things always go certain. So Jesus comes along and they believe, the Jewish people, especially when the Pharisees, they believe that the temple was it, man. That's where God did everything, and so if they could just get pure and follow every letter of the law and do all these things, that God would bless them. And Jesus comes against the temple. So he's up in Galilee one time, and he's telling this guy he's healed him, but then he says, "Um, your sins are forgiven. Again, many of us grew up with the God mode, and we're like, well, that's what God does. He forgives sins, but you're missing what Jesus was doing here. Sins were not forgiven outside of the temple system. The way to get your sins forgiven in that day was you had to travel several miles down to Jerusalem, pay for an animal, have a sacrifice, blah, 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 and then finally your sins would be forgiven. When you start doing that, it'd be like me handing out driver's licenses after church. Someone would say, "Uh, by what authority are you doing this? Does that sound familiar? By what authority are you, and that's what they would ask Jesus, by what authority are, who, who says you can do this? Or healing people on the Sabbath. All the sacred cows, all the sacred things. Jesus bravely confronted at the cost of his life. And it says then, from that time on, Jesus I'll paraphrase, had to sneak around. You'd sneak here. You'd sneak there. That puts a human face on Jesus for me. Until right before it says the triumphal entry, he comes out to public view and he knows my hour has come. When he rides into Jerusalem, here's the thing. One of the Gospels records this. He's crying tears. Because they're shouting for him, shouting for him. And he's crying and he said, how I've longed to gather you as a mother, mother hen would gather her chicks. But you wouldn't allow it. The picture of the mother hen gathering the chicks is reminiscent of like of a mother hen that would surround her chicks when a when a fire would sweep through the barn and all the chicks protected and saved under the mother's wing and the mother gone heroism 
giving of your life. Heroism isn't just about you giving up your life in the ultimate sense, although it, it might at some point require just that. I was just reading a news article about a family member. I, I, I believe it was an uncle who gave up his life saving a girl um, in an icy river not too long ago in Illinois. Those kind of things do happen. But every single day, is the opportunity and the challenge to live heroically. To live with courage and to live beyond yourself. That's what it means to live a heroic life. And that's what it means to me to follow Jesus. Sure, it can include going to church and it can include reading the Bible and it can include a lot of other things, but if it doesn't include those two things, then how how could it be following him? I want to say a, um, a Pastor Bright's going to come and say a closing prayer. Um, so, Pastor Bright, can you come on up here? I'm going to ask everybody here to stand. And Here's what I want to do because we're entering the season. Right? We're entering the season. Um, and our world, our world needs, needs this. We, we, we need you. And you, for your own sake, need this. The call to carry your cross, the call to say every single day is a challenge that's worth throwing my life into. And you know when, when I think we're at our worst? When we don't have the challenge. I'll tell you, that's me. I'll be first. I don't have a challenge. My challenge is just... Oh, do you want uh, creme brulee? Or, that's not a challenge. Doesn't bring out the. Is anybody with me? Doesn't bring out the best. I'm not saying I don't ever have it because obviously I know about it. But I don't think it brings. The, the 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 problem that is happening in Ukraine. There's already, I don't know if you follow, but there's already famines in Africa. And now they're worried that the famines are going to get that much worse because of how much wheat comes from the Ukraine. We need heroism like we've never needed it before in our world. So you wake up tomorrow and you determine, I'm going to make the world a better place. Whatever it costs me, that's not what's important. What's important is my assignment to make the world a better place. You with me?